listener. Welcome back to a new episode of A Real Page Turner with Donnie Granza and Mara Maros. Hi, Donnie. How are you? Hello, Mara. It's uh, good to be back. Yes. Another episode. <laughs> yeah. So today we're doing probably, I would say, a more obscure novel in a movie. We are doing the novella Shop Girl that was written by Steve Martin, the actor. In 2000, it was published in 2000, and it basically follows the story of a girl, Mirabelle Buttersfield, who works in a department store and sells gloves, and she battles depression, but she, you know, kind of hooks up with a young guy, but then an older millionaire kind of, you know, starts wooing her and, you know, kind of follows their relationship and how that unfolds. And then, you know, kind of reintroducing the first guy, Jeremy, and kind of just like a little bit of the snapshot of time with her relationship with them. I think that's basically the movie. I mean, the book. is. So tell us a little bit about the movie. Yeah, the the movie came out in 2005. Uh, it, the screenplay was also written by Steve Martin, who plays the aforementioned well, uh, wealthy guy and uh, wooing Mirabelle. Yes. Ray Porter is his name. Yes. And uh, Mirabelle is played by Claire Danes and also included in the cast is Jason Schwartzman. Uh, the film was uh, directed by Anand Tucker. Uh, and it was a you know, kind of a you know a obscure film that somewhat flew under the radar. Uh, it got kind of a mix to positive uh, critical uh, success. Success. It has like a barely positive sixty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and the site uh, and the site's consensus states: Shop Girl is precariously slight, but it has some intriguing moments, and Claire Danes is luminous. So okay. all the decent stuff in there. So yeah, let's get to that. You know, I um I'm a huge fan of Steve Martin. You know, uh, uh, we a couple months ago we did um, Roxanne, and obviously both of us like gushed over him and that. So I would watch anything with him. Truly, like one of the most talented people of all time. Like obviously he's you know as an accomplished actor and hilarious and obviously accomplished writer. He's even a very accomplished musician. He's a bluegrass musician who's <laughs> uh, been focused on that for much of the last several years. So hasn't done too many movies over time. But. Yeah. And I love C. Martin. It was funny because like when I knew that he wrote this book when we started reading it and I had a hard time reading the book, not in his voice, right? <laughs> like, because he does narrate a good part of the movie. And I had a real hard time with re not, I, you know, I basically read the book in his, with hearing his voice as the narrator because I, I just, I knew it and I just kind of took that on when I was reading it. And then I love Claire Danes. I'll watch anything with Claire Danes. Um, I think she's great. Um, so that was, you know, good. And I think the movie followed the book pretty closely. You know, there was like one difference kind of that I picked out. And that was that in the book, she works at Neiman Marcus, but in the movie, she works at Saks. Oh. And I, I wondered kind of like why they did that. And I wonder if I was using Neiman Marcus in the movie that they weren't allowed to. I don't know. But he does say that she works at Neiman's in the book, which was a little different. I thought they maybe in the movie, they downplayed her depression a little bit. Like they talked about it and she had to get the medication. There was like a scene where she was struggling to get out of bed, but I thought they played it down a little bit. Yeah. It's well, for one, I, I didn't even pick up on that or working at uh, two different stores <laughs> there. I guess it kind of all just flows together with me. I just, you know, 
I just categorized them as very posh, expensive stores. So it really didn't matter what the name, which one it was. A very uh, breakfast at Tiffany's esque, uh, but yeah, I thought it did you know follow pretty pretty closely, th- uh, pretty closely there. Um, and the girl that played Lisa is famous too. I think her name is oh gosh, Br- is it Bridget? I think she's Pete Zambris's wife. Yes. Uh, Brigitte Wilson. Uh, Brigitte Wilson. I was thinking Nielsen, yes. and I knew that wasn't right. And I think she's Pete Sampras's wife. Am yes, I right? That is, yes, that is true. See? She, there's, um, a, there's a little trivia for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my favorite parts in both the book and the movie uh, involved her care, uh, involves her character and it involves how she's kind of, man- she's the co-worker of yep. Bell and is manipulative and she wants to steal the rich Ray Porter from her. And she initially sees Mirabelle walking in to the gallery uh, for that art show with Jeremy, who she assumes to be Ray, and kind of chats him up, thinking he's this ultra-rich guy, and keeps calling him Ray, and Jeremy is just confused, but blows it off. Blows it off. And, I, and obviously the uh, misunderstanding leads to, you know, some uh, very funny comedic uh, moments there. That was probably my favorite, my favorite part of the part of the movie and the film and the book. I mean, yeah, and, because it's not really a comedy. Like, even though when you see Steve Martin, you think you think comedy, you know, this is not him in The Jerk or something. This is not Navin Johnson playing here. No. But there are like some comedic moments. It's kind of a, more of a dramedy, uh, but that, that elicited some uh, laughs from me. That scene. Yeah. I, um, I did think that was funny. Yeah. And I thought that they didn't do as much with the, voiceover. I mean, they showed it a little bit. I mean, in the one where Ray Porter's talking to his therapist, which doesn't happen in the book, but I think they needed that because it showed what he was saying and what she were hearing were two different things. And they did it well in the book. And I think they needed that, like, I guess, therapist type role, because if not, it would just be him doing it in voiceover, which probably wouldn't work. Um, So I thought, you know, the book, you saw that like different between the two characters when they were each speaking, like when they were inside their mind in the book. So I thought they did that well in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a a good flow to it. Yeah. I thought the movie was a little slow. I mean, a little, a little dull. Like there wasn't a ton of action, right? (laughs) Like it wasn't like, you know, action packed or too much like wondering what was going to happen. You know, like it was just kind of a, you know, movie that was there. That you watched. I did like the novella quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I need more action, some more explosions and murder in it. I think that would have been a lot better. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Should have had, had Vin Diesel in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I did, I mean, I did like the the novella, like I thought it was good. And, you know, I think it was, I was reading like a review that somebody was saying about the book, like they just kind of threw it a happy ending out of nowhere, because it's like the whole time, like, you're not really sure that anyone's going to have a happy ending. And, you know, they kind of tied it up, Steve Martin kind of tied it up in a bow in the book. Um, And one, one of the reviews was like, well, the happy ending like kind of came out of nowhere, which was, and, you know, there was more of that relationship too with her parents in the in the book yes there what there was um kind of i wouldn't classify it as a big deal but i know 
one thing that got cut out for the film, there was this scene where a friend of her, of Mirabelle's father's, comes into the, the store and uh, talks with her. And, and, that, and then I think, what does she go home for Thanksgiving and mentions it to her father? Uh, that doesn't happen at all in, in the film. And I'm not sure what the purpose of that was in the in the book, I may have just glossed over it. There wasn't really a big purpose I found in it in the book either. Yeah. It was really just to give us insight, I think, into the father's kind of PTSD that he had from Vietnam to give them that conflict where her father really didn't really talk to them very much to her. Uh, and then I think that there was no resolution to it really at the end. Like she put the card outside his door when he said he didn't want it when they were on a walk, but you never know if he talked to the gentleman or not. There really wasn't a big purpose to it in the book. And I think it was smart to probably not put it in the movie. Cause it, I think you were, you would have expected a bigger payoff from it in a movie. It's true. Yeah. The book kind of goes more in depth with her family getting together like that. It's just, Show mostly just that scene of her coming home, and there was a scene with her father and her on the couch, and he's asking about how everything's going in New York and her art career, which uh, I was very intrigued by because it's kind of a stereotype where she's this struggling artist who has to work this probably minimum wage to slightly above minimum wage job in retail, and even though it's at like a more uh, upscale type of uh, retail store uh, still she probably feels like she's not where she wants in her life and just every once in a while sells uh, uh, an art piece but not enough to make a career of it and it's funny how in it with her job she works at this glove counter which is uh with very little foot traffic and i remember uh i was reading about i was reading i think like a review or something of the book and movie uh and they talked about how the store like having a glove having a glove department uh anytime post 1965 seems like an anomaly hmm. and i thought yeah i don't know of any stores that have an apartment dedicated solely to gloves it's usually maybe just tiny little section <laughs> Maybe just not even like on the counter or something uh, next to the cashiers or so, something like yeah. that. Um, I do feel like it was very much like old Hollywood. You know, it had an old Hollywood feel to it when you were reading it. Yeah. You know, you weren't getting a ton of the hustle and bustle of L.A. And so yeah. maybe that's something, you know, because it was an odd choice of gift that he gave her, which was the gloves, which was straight. You know, it was written in 2000, which is funny because I don't know anybody who just like wears a fancy pair of gloves. <laughs> But yeah, you know, every day with your dress, it's kind of a thing of the past. But yeah. I thought it was. It, it's but it funny. Fit. I felt it fit. Yeah, it, it's funny because I was watching. I watched this movie on YouTube. Like you can rent, you can rent a movie and watch it on YouTube. So I had it on my computer, but then I also had my TV on in the background, and my and in the background on my t TV was the movie uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> so and I definitely felt like that possibly was some kind of an influence on this film particularly mm. like fashion wise and just the culture surrounding both surrounding the film i just thought that was funny <laughs> yeah and you wanted to talk uh, about the music yes now normally this is one of the few films where i could say like i hated the music absolutely hated it like usually <laughs> music can really bring a film 
to life, but I think the music was trying to kill this film. Like, it just, I don't know if the director and composer were going for something kind of ironic or that, but it just didn't feel like it didn't feel like it felt right at all. Like it was kind of this very dreary music and was a little loud uh, hmm. for just kind of just long drawn out to music and I just felt like it didn't fit with the scene with the scenes and it took me out of certain scenes and really just bothered me. <laughs> bothered. It's hard to describe. <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts on that. <laughs> I honestly don't feel like I paid a lot of attention to it. I, I really don't. Like it didn't strike me as something that was bothering me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't. I don't know why, but it, it didn't. I'm trying to see who like was like, it said some everything was written and performed by Mark Kozolik on the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I didn't, I don't even really remember it. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it just it just took me out of certain scenes. Hmm. It, it felt like the music was more inclined for for maybe a, a war movie or an epic, like three hour long epic type. It just it didn't feel right. I'm gonna have to go back and realize. Like yeah, I, I did try to find it. No, I didn't think. No, I don't think it really had to be like flighty, and uplifting type music. But just just didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked, I mean, I did like the character of Jeremy. <laughs> you know, I thought his character probably had like the biggest, I, I want to say like change or arc. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because he was somebody that took initiative. Like he was kind of, you know, dopey in the beginning and, you know, was an artist and did things. And then he kind of had an idea and went to his boss and he listened to yoga and meditation. He came back a different person that was more confident and polished. And, you know, I thought his character had the biggest change. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's funny because i was texting you while watching it and i and i think i said oh i hate jeremy and <laughs> and, and the, that was like kind of towards the beginning like in the middle of the film but then gradually started to see him you know improve and go through that arc and you know by the end i was thinking yeah he's yeah he's not that bad yeah like you're kind of rooting for him yeah <laughs> um so. Yeah, but I mean, I did like it. I, I, I mean, I liked the novella. The movie, I was like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, probably, you know, roughly the same. They're, you know, fairly even. But yeah, I, I wish think the I, movie done a little more. Yeah, I agree there. <laughs> I yeah. did like Steve Martin's writing style. Yeah. I thought that was that was good. I did like his writing style. Yeah. Well, with Steve Martin, everything he touches turns to gold <laughs> to me. Yeah. And someday someday we'll find an excuse to uh, to do the jerk on, on this <laughs> podcast, even though it's not based off a book. I'll do digging and maybe find that partly inspired by a, a book somewhere down the line. Right, by something. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, we'll find it. Yeah. That's one of the funniest movies ever. Good. Well, is there anything else you wanted to cover? No, I think that just about covers it. Yeah. Okay. I don't really think we sold this one on anybody, though. I'm not really <laughs> sure anyone's going to like run out and watch it. Maybe they'll buy the novella or download it or read it in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure they're going to go out and you know watch it, but hey, maybe they will. Yeah. Great. Well, then, until the next time, keep reading and keep watching.